Hello, and welcome to The Corporate Casket, a semi-weekly series where bad businesses go to die. We will discuss any and everything from bad charities, terrible CEOs, and businesses that have a lot to hide. I'm the Illuminati, and today we're gonna be going over a specific term used in the business world, not so much a business itself. Not all that long ago, I made an episode explaining what the word natural means for the average consumer. After all, cyanide is natural, but that doesn't mean people should be inclined to consume it. So what about the word organic? That's another term I've heard thrown around and used to make products seem more appealing. We saw that there wasn't all that many barriers, legally speaking, for the word natural. So I'm curious if there might be some more here, if there's standards or you know, if they're just as low. Well, anyway, let's jump right into it and start with what the history of what organic means. Organic products are made from materials produced by organic agriculture. This means they're produced using substances allowed by the USDA, the US Department of Agriculture. They also don't use genetic engineering, ionizing radiation, sewage sludge, and they have to be overseen by a USDA National Organic Program authorized certifying agent. So right away, the standards are already different. One source explains, the term organic is strictly regulated by the United States Department of Agriculture's stringent requirements and therefore guarantees that organic food or products do not contain antibiotics, growth hormones, synthetic pesticides, or harmful herbicides. On the other hand, the term all natural is not regulated by any agency and does not ensure that products are void of hazardous pesticides or other toxins. Food manufacturers can simply slap a natural label on their products, even if they contain an abundance of processed ingredients. Although there are healthy products labeled as all natural, the term is almost entirely unregulated. And we saw this a lot in that natural episode. Plenty of products may have that label on them, but it means next to nothing without regulation. Even though we haven't dug into misconceptions about organic products, at least I can confidently say that yes, the word organic does actually mean something. As for the term itself, organic eprints claims, the term organic farming was coined by Lord Northburn at his canonical work, Look at the Land, published in London, 1940. Northburn introduced the concept of the farm as organism, contrasted organic things with chemical farming, and introduced many of the concepts that continue to preoccupy discussions and practice of organic agriculture. However, it wasn't until the 80s when the organic movement truly began to pick up speed. Around the world, farming and consumer groups began seriously pressuring for government regulation. In the 90s, they got their way and various legislation and certification standards were enacted. Hopefully we can see the same kind of regulation with the word natural, but I won't hold my breath here. By the 2000s, we've seen the worldwide market for organic products grow and stores like Whole Foods and Trader Joe's are seen as healthier than many other grocery stores. One source even claims that Whole Foods was so involved in this movement and so integral to it that they care so much that they have gone above and beyond the standards set by the FDA. As there is no definition of natural food, Whole Foods has compiled its own list of unacceptable ingredients. These unacceptable ingredients include, but are not limited to, hydrogenated fats, high fructose corn syrup, artificial sweeteners, preservatives, artificial colors, and flavors. If a food contains any of these unacceptable ingredients, you won't see it on their shelves. 
I'm not so sure about this being them by going beyond the FDA standards because the standards for natural don't really exist in the first place. I'd say it's going beyond the USDA standards if that's the case, but that's just me being nitpicky, but you get the point here. In 2003, Whole Foods announced it was the first national grocer to have its retail operations designated as certified organic, and organic food sales have been rising and rising over the years. According to Food Business News, organic food sales in the United States rose 5.9% in 2018 to reach $47.9 billion, according to the 2019 Organic Industry Survey released May 17 by the Organic Trade Association. Organic food sales made up 5.7% of overall US food sales, which rose 2.3% in 2018. The US organic market grew 6.3% to $52.5 billion as non-food sales increased nearly 11% to reach $4.6 billion. Sales of organic fruits and vegetables made up 36% of all organic food sales in 2018, rising 5.6% to $17.4 billion. Organic fruits and vegetable sales accounted for nearly 15% of all US fruits and vegetable sales in 2018. A movement toward milk alternatives affected sales growth in the organic dairy category. A 0.8% sales increase led to sales of $6.5 billion in organic dairy and eggs. Many millennials have moved to plant-based food and beverages from livestock-based products, according to the association. Experts said to satisfy today's consumer, the importance of innovation in the organic dairy sector has never been greater, the association said. In 2018, industry responded with milk beverages with increased protein, more full-fat dairy products, new flavors, and grass-fed products. And all this sounds like good news, right? After all, I want to support businesses that are supporting the environment, and if the organic label can tell me easily and reliably that what I'm doing you know, is good, then I'm happy to pay a little bit more to do so. However, considering how quickly this organic industry is growing, it's got plenty of people concerned. However, then came my next question. As great as this label may sound at first, does it always work? I won't pretend like organic labels are completely useless, but we can't ignore the times that they've failed us either. CBS News in mid 2018 reported, the USDA organic label generally signifies a product is made with relatively minimal synthetic pesticides and fertilizers, and that animals are raised according to certain guidelines. But disputes over the rules and questions about adherence may raise doubts about whether the price is justified. A federal audit in September found the US Department of Agriculture was unable to provide reasonable assurance that required documents for imported organic grains were reviewed at domestic ports of entry, among other weaknesses. The Washington Post last year had reported that massive shipments of the imported grains intended mostly for animal feed were wrongly labeled as organic and also questioned practices by major organic dairy and egg producers. And unfortunately, this is absolutely starting to remind me of palm oil. And we will get to that in a different episode, I promise. But the round table of sustainable palm oil was created in order to help consumers promote sustainability. But if you ask me, organizations like that do more harm than good. After all, if the RSPO or USDA is pushing products out there that don't actually help the environment, giving them a label that holds no weight, then won't it only discourage the farmers or producers that actually do care? But before I go any further, I wanna take a look at what this audit said and if it was as bad as I was bracing for. This report, which came from the Office of the Inspector General in September, 2017 reads, the Department of Agriculture's National Organic Program is housed within the Agricultural Marketing Service and is responsible for developing national standards for organically produced agricultural products. 
our audit found that AMS needs to strengthen its controls over the approval and oversight of international trade arrangements and agreements for the import of organic products into the United States. First, we concluded that AMS's process for determining equivalency of organic standards lack transparency. NOP officials maintain documentation of the process to resolve differences between foreign and USDA organic standards, but they did not have a methodology in place to disclose the results of that process to stakeholders. Next, we concluded that AMS was unable to provide unreasonable assurance that NOP required documents were reviewed at US ports of entry to verify that imported agricultural products labeled as organic were from certified organic or foreign farms and businesses that produce and sell organic products. Further, imported agricultural products, whether organic or conventional, are sometimes fumigated at US ports of entry to prevent prohibited pests from entering the United States. AMS has not established and implemented controls at US ports of entry to identify, track, and ensure treated organic products are not sold, labeled, or represented as organic. This report of course goes into a lot more detail, but just to get the bullet points, I'm going to read off every one of the four findings with a quick explanation so you can get a sense of where this audit is coming from. The first, as they said, was that the organic standards equivalency determination process wasn't fully transparent. NOP officials maintain supporting documentation of the process undertaken to resolve identified differences between foreign and USDA product standards, but did not have a procedure in place to document and disclose the results of that process to interested parties and the public. The lack of transparency could result in reduced US consumer confidence in the integrity of organic products imported into the United States. The second finding was that AMS needs to strengthen its controls over organic imports. I'd say that's pretty self-explanatory. And the third finding along a similar vein was that controls over organic products fumigated at US ports of entry were inadequate. After visiting seven US ports of entry, the audit states, AMS has not established and implemented controls at US ports of entry to identify, track, and ensure that treated organic products are not sold, labeled, or represented as organic. As a result, US consumers of organic products have reduced assurance that foreign agricultural products maintain their organic integrity from farm to table. NOP regulations state that measures must be implemented to prevent the commingling of organic and non-organic products and protect organic products from contact with NOP prohibited substances. 30 NOP regulations also prohibit organic products contaminated with prohibited substances at levels higher than 5% of the Environmental Protection Agency's tolerance level for the specific substance detected from being sold, labeled, or represented as organically produced. Lastly, finding four was that on-site audits are not conducted in a timely manner. In other words, yeah, all of this is just to say, in spite of all the good the USDA is trying to do and the regulation around organic products, it's far from a perfect system. Does this mean we shouldn't have the system altogether? Well, no, I don't think so, but it just means that doing a few minutes worth of research about a product you may buy consistency like eggs or milk might be worth it for those of you trying to support organic farmers. Now, before we continue on, let's just take a quick moment to thank today's sponsors. Summer is heating up and so are those sweet, sweet tunes. Was that cheesy enough to start off an ad read? I hope so. Well, today we're gonna be talking about Raycon because whether you're just listening to music, an audiobook, or whatever it is, a pair of Raycon wireless earbuds in your ears can make all the difference. 
you get crisp, powerful beats at half the price of other premium audio brands. Raycons look great and feel even better. They come in a range of cool colors, even though I chose black because I guess I'm the boring one, but they've got a bunch of cool colors, I swear. I'm just, I'm just not cool. And they come with customizable gel tips included for a comfortable in-ear fit to make sure that they fit snug as a bug in a rug. And Raycons are built to go wherever you go with quick and seamless Bluetooth pairing and a compact charging case. And these puppies last for 24 hours. The battery life on these things is absolutely insane. I don't really have to charge this often at all, honestly. I can't really remember the last time I charged my Raycons, maybe like a month ago, mm, maybe a couple weeks ago. I, have, I don't charge them much. They just go. Their battery life literally lasts forever, it feels like. So if you wanna get your own pair of Raycons at 15% off, it's super easy. All you gotta do is go to buyraycon.com slash casket and you'll get 15% off your entire order. Again, that's 15% off at buyraycon.com slash casket, buyraycon.com slash casket. Today's episode is also sponsored by Mint Mobile. And you guys know the deal, Mint Mobile offers premium wireless service starting at just 15 bucks a month. And if you wanna go total unlimited, I believe it's like 30 bucks a month. And their whole secret sauce is that they're the first company to sell wireless service online only. So by cutting out retail stores, there's no crazy overhead costs that get passed down to you in the form of mystery fees. And it's awesome. My phone service feels and sounds exactly the same. It's like nothing ever changed. It's just that I'm paying 80 bucks a month less. I think I am. I used to pay like 120 and now I'm paying like 30. Uh, That's like 90. I still can't math, but the point is it's a lot of money saved. And all plans come with unlimited talk and text, high-speed data, and they're all delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. And you can use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and just keep the same phone number along with all your contacts or get all new ones if you want to. And if you're not 100% satisfied, Mint Mobile has you covered with their seven-day money-back guarantee. So if you wanna get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and get the plan shipped to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com casket. That's mintmobile.com casket. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com casket. Now, when it comes to health and organic, others argue that consumers are misled about what organic means in the first place. After all, all organic is about is the agriculture of a food, how sustainably it's being produced, that sort of thing. The term organic has nothing to do with how healthy a food is. And that's the problem one Forbes writer says they have with the label. In 2016, Stephen Savage wrote, The USDA, which oversees the foods labeled as certified organic, states quite clearly on its website about its role in organic that our regulations do not address food safety or nutrition. Foods labeled certified organic must adhere to certain rules and regulations, but aren't endowed with any particular nutritional or safety features. However, many consumers believe that the organic label means the food has superior nutrition and is safer, especially in regard to pesticide residues. This is not true. Studies have shown no appreciable difference in nutrition between crops grown either organically or conventionally. As for the safety issue, when most people hear the word pesticide, they imagine something scary in terms of toxicity to humans and the environment. The reality is that modern agriculture employs an integrated suite of non-pesticidal control measures, and the actual pesticides used today are mostly relatively non-toxic to humans. Organic farmers also use pesticides, and the products they are allowed to use are constrained with few exceptions by whether they can be considered natural. That is not a safety standard since many of most toxic chemicals known are natural, 
Like all pesticides, these natural options are subject to EPA scrutiny. And so the pesticides that organic farmers are allowed to use are safe when used according to the label requirements, which is the same standard for synthetic pesticides allowed on conventional crops. When it comes to pesticide residuals on our food, there is a USDA testing program that demonstrates year after year that the pesticide residues on both organic and conventional foods are at such low levels that we need not worry about them. I confidently buy non-organic foods based on this public data that demonstrates that our system is working and that we consumers are well protected. And so far, I don't really have any major disagreements with what he's saying, except for an earlier statement he makes when he says he purposely avoids organic foods for those reasons, since I think there's pros and cons to each. The thing is, it is a shame that when people hear the word pesticide, they assume it means dangerous poisons and non-organic food isn't safe. And we'll hear from Sauvage again before this episode is over because he's got a couple more points I want to address. But for now, let's talk about the rumored health benefits of organic products. And again, this isn't to say that the word organic is useless or meaningless. There are still regulations in place here, but I want to explain why it may not mean what you think it means. One 2014 article entitled Organic Exposed by Steve Copperand argues that the reason the organic food industry has grown is because it was built on fear-based marketing. He writes, the $35 billion organic marketing industry uses surveys showing 65% of consumers see organic as healthier, 70% as safer, and 46% as more nutritious. Consumers also assume the USDA organic seal on the package means all of those things. The review found consumers routinely deceived the review's word, not mine, about organic benefits. The organic folks know it and do precious little to correct the record. And the misperception is perpetuated by advocacy groups, the Center for Food Safety, Food and Water Watch, the Environmental Working Group, among others. And this is absolutely where problems start to arise. Secretary of Agriculture, Dan Glickman has been quoted as saying, let me be clear about one thing. The organic label is a marketing tool. It's not a statement about food safety, nor is organic a value judgment about nutrition or quality. Even though my issue with the organic label arose when regulations were revealed to be lacking, this is where I can start to see Savage's point. The organic label misleads people, plain and simple. It's supposed to be about how a crop was grown, but it's gotten into some dangerous territory. Detroit News said in September, 2018, that the organic industry took this government approved marketing tool and added their own health claims. Organic marketers understood the higher price tag of their products would deter customers unless they made them afraid to use cheaper alternatives. So in addition to touting non-existent health benefits, organic marketers embarked on a campaign to make consumers believe that they would be harmed and their health undermined if they bought conventional food. USDA's research shows that more than 70% of consumers are likely to believe a food is safer, more nutritious, or of a higher quality if it bears the organic label, said former USDA Secretary John Block. That explains the prevalence of the word on food packaging. They also hide the fact that organic food can be genetically modified. Rather than using one patented kind of genetic engineering, they are permitted to employ mutagenesis, bathing seeds in chemicals and radiation, which is still used today. More than 2000 types of products were genetically modified using it, including organic foods. These tactics have been wildly successful. In the 18 years since the USDA organic label was created, organic food has become a $124 billion industry based on claims that the government specifically said were false. And I'm fine with organic labels on food to indicate food production, but these health claims associated with it are wildly irresponsible. 
Organic production is genuinely more labor intensive, more expensive and regulated. So I'm not trying to take credit away from the farmers here. But the organic food industry and the misconceptions around it, the lack of accurate food safety, yeah, the term organic has been warped to mean healthy when that's not what it was about. There's sites out there like Only Organic that even say eating organic foods can reduce your risk of cancer. And they cite a study from JAMA done in France, which seems to back up those findings. Yet even the American Institute for Cancer Research doesn't support these claims. So why Only Organic is acting as if they're 100% fact is beyond me. In fact, other studies have claimed the exact opposite, even as early as 2009. One source coming from London reads, Organic produce is no better for health than conventional food, the government's food standards agency announced today. Their report after a 12 month study based on 50 years of research says the benefits of chemical free vegetables, fruit and meat have been overstated. The findings could be a major blow to the 2 billion pound a year organic food industry, which has been hit by the recession. The findings are based on the first comprehensive review into the nutrient value of organic food compared to food grown through conventional farming methods. The FSA commissioned the study from the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine. More than 100 types of food were studied, including rice, chicken, milk, and eggs. The review published in the American Journal of Clinical Nutrition found small but not important differences between the nutrient content of organic and conventional types of food. Public health nutritionist, Dr. Alan Dangor, who led the review said, this is the first time all this evidence has been brought together under one single study. Organic food is no worse than conventional, but there is certainly no reason for suggesting organic food has a superior nutritional content. A small number of differences in nutrient content were found to exist between organically and conventionally produced crops and livestock, but these are unlikely to be of any public health relevance. There is no good evidence that consumption of organic food is beneficial to health in relation to nutrient content. Organic campaigners today criticized the report as out of date and said it had failed to take into account the harmful impact of pesticides, a major reason for some people going organic. Soil Association Policy Director, Lord Melkat said, we don't think this report is going to change people's views. And I get that pesticides are a large part of this. As Stephen Savage made mention of, it's one of the driving reasons why people purchase organic foods to begin with. You hear pesticides and too often it's equated to the word unsafe. And yes, if pesticides on food are eaten at dangerous levels, they can be dangerous. But to an extent, isn't that like everything else? Too much of something, even if it's a good thing, can have negative consequences. But let's get a few things straight. Organic produce is not pesticide free. There are pesticides used in organic farming, but they're derived from natural substances rather than synthetic ones. And as Carl Winter, PhD, extension food toxicologist and vice chair food science and technology at University of California Davis puts it, in either case, the dose makes the poison. The Environmental Working Group, EWG, argued in 2018 that strawberries, spinach, nectarines, apples, grapes, peaches, cherries, pears, tomatoes, celery, potatoes, and sweet bell peppers all have the highest amount of pesticide residue. They called them the dirty dozen. So, all right, even if a little pesticides aren't harmful, does this mean eating a whole container of strawberries would be? No, that's not the case either. Toxicologists like Winter are looking at three pillars of risk. How much of the stuff are we really getting on our food? How much of the food are we eating? And just how bad is the amount we're ingesting? The Dirty Dozen isn't designed to answer any of these questions and therefore Winter says, can't provide valuable insights to shoppers. 
If you don't know the levels of pesticides in strawberries and spinach, how do you know they pose any problems? Winter, along with other scientists, say they don't. And while natural pesticides certainly sound healthier, it again boils down to how much of a specific substance you're ingesting. A derivative of copper, for instance, is used as a fungicide in organic farming. If ingested at inappropriate levels, it can be toxic. However, in amounts detected on food, Winter's point is that the amounts we're consuming them, neither natural nor synthetic pesticides present any cause for concern. Pesticide science is a tricky thing. Studies showing harm often look at correlations rather than causation, meaning that they don't prove the pesticide exposure causes the health outcome detected. Some are done in agricultural workers and or their children, people who would be exposed at much higher doses than those of us who are ingesting residue from food. It remains on their shoes, for example, so these chemicals can contaminate their home environments. Still, it's worrisome to read headlines raising concerns around pesticide risk, such as the recent study linking pesticide exposure to poorer pregnancy outcomes among women being treated for infertility. Though this may raise some red flags, Winter again takes a more scientific view. The researchers used a similar system of identifying pesticide residue as the EWG, a system that many scientists call into question because it doesn't address actual amounts of chemicals detected. And though it didn't make headlines, he points out that women who consumed more high pesticide residue produce were also more likely to eat organic produce. In other words, they were eating lots of fruit and vegetables on both sides of the aisle. And I know this is a lot to take in and there doesn't seem to be any definitive answer. And with regulations not always being clear as we've talked about earlier and inorganic and organic foods being mixed, I'm sure that only makes things all the more difficult. It's worth noting that this article does make a case for organic foods also because Mary Kamir, a professor for food science and human nutrition advocates for organic farming practices. So I'm not trying to say don't buy organic foods right now, just that you shouldn't be buying them for unproven reasons. However, aside from the topic of health, there's a couple other issues people have with the term organic. So we're going to get back to that Forbes article and take a look at another important point made by Stephen Savage, environmental idealism. Organic foods are at least better for the environment, right? Well, Savage argues that this point is actually debatable too. There's a few farming practices with excellent environmental profiles, which are difficult to implement under organic farming regulations. He says, compost, which is a major input for organic farms has a shockingly high carbon footprint because of methane emissions. The carbon footprint of synthetic fertilizer is much smaller. From an environmental perspective, the biggest issue for organic is that it requires significantly more land to achieve the same level of production. Were organic to become more than a niche category, this yield gap would be highly problematic from an environmental point of view. I would much rather buy food from land sparing farming systems. Again, not trying to rain on anyone's parade here, but the benefits of going organic aren't as numerous as you might think. There's a number of valid arguments from each side. Some, like the Organic Trade Association, claim that organic foods are rich in nutrients and reduce harmful pesticides, whereas other sites say organic farming is far from the best way to be environmentally friendly. Applied Mythology states that synthetic fungicide options are effective pesticides, but break down into completely innocuous materials. But because of regulations, organic growers can't use them. Technology has improved after all, and synthetic incesticides and herbicides have vastly improved since the organic movement. GLP, the Genetic Literacy Project, argues that many have become virtually non-toxic for humans, effectively calling the organic regulations, once designed to protect us from scary chemicals, completely outdated. They state, 
Overall, fewer and fewer highly toxic pesticides are being used on crops. The EPA categorizes pesticides as highly toxic, as toxic in the nicotine used in e-cigarettes, moderately toxic, as toxic as the caffeine in coffee, slightly toxic, as toxic as the vanillin in vanilla beans, or practically non-toxic. Since 1991, the percentage of pesticides used on Washington apples that qualify as highly toxic has dropped from 10% to 0.2% in 2013. Since 1990, the percentage of non-sulfur pesticides used on California premium wine grapes that qualify as moderately toxic has dropped from 50% to less than 10%. I feel like at the rate we're dropping, the pesticide argument is going to become null and void if it hasn't already. Even though I'm really not trying to discredit organic farming altogether, the deeper we dive, the less benefits I'm immediately seeing. Aside from a surprisingly high carbon footprint from composting, there's also the matter of no-till farming, which we mentioned briefly. One source states, The best approach to building soil quality is minimizing soil disturbance, no plowing or tilling, combined with the use of cover crops. Such farming systems have multiple environmental advantages, particularly with respect to limiting erosion and nutrient movement into water. Organic farmers frequently do plant cover crops, but without effective herbicides, they tend to rely on tillage for weed control. There are efforts underway to find a way to do organic no-till, but they are not really scalable. Now, I'm sure this is somewhat surprising, but I am not an expert in farming, but I did find another source that claims no-till farming keeps higher organic matter in the soil. It also pointed out that an MSU study found this method yielded long-term economic benefits. So far, the bare minimum this has told me is that organic regulations need updating. The ones in place seem woefully outdated if they label virtually non-toxic pesticides as inorganic and don't allow for farming methods that could benefit the environment. There's also the fact that the per acre yields of organic crops are a lot lower and it simply can't handle demands for consumers in the long term. One source says, agriculture needs to change in ways that accomplish both productivity and environmental goals. That optimal farming approach must become the dominant system over time. Even if organic had maintained its growth trend from 1995 to 2008, organic acreage in 2050 would still have represented less than 3% of US cropland. Now, before people come at me with articles that list the health benefits of organic food, I'm not trying to pretend like those don't exist. Some studies say the benefits are minimal, while one six-year study from the Journal of Agriculture and Food Chemistry shows that organic onions have a 20% higher antioxidant level. There's both benefits and downsides to organic foods. And for me personally, I've never really seen the downsides really shown or told to me and what the term definitively means. However, now that we've heard what it means in the food industry, I wanna talk about what organic means in other industries as well. Organic food is one thing, but I've seen the organic label on far more than just produce. What about organic clothes or cosmetics? What do the standards for those industries look like? And are they just as well regulated or half kind of regulated? Unfortunately, the answer here is sort of, and other organic products can fall into a gray area. However, organic clothing does have at least some regulations, so we'll discuss that one first. One source says, in the midst of this giant industry, one recent trend has been coming to the forefront of the market and awareness of consumers, organic clothing. But what is organic clothing exactly? 
This is a tough question to answer because a regulation and certification by governments around the world has been a bit slow to respond to demand in the marketplace for organic clothing, as opposed to labeling requirements for organic foods, which are much more advanced in terms of its development. But generally, organic clothing is clothing made from materials grown in compliance with organic agricultural standards. For instance, authentic organic clothes involve no pesticides or artificial fertilizers in their production process, and the land from which the raw materials are grown is also pesticide and fertilizer free. The article then shows a table about how organic cotton farming has seeds that aren't treated with fungicides, crop rotation is practiced, and there's no genetic modifications used, and weeds are destroyed manually, not with herbicides or weedicides. The USDA itself explains that the NOP, National Organic Program, regulations do not include specific processing or manufacturing standards for textile products. However, apparel labeled as organic does have to be certified by a third party, such as the OTA or the Organic Trade Association. All in all, this organic cotton label is more regulated than the word natural as we've seen previously, but organic food is still the most regulated out of the three. As for the global organic textile standard, there are a few rules that must be met to certify these cottons as organic. For example, organic fibers must be kept separate from conventional fibers through all stages and clearly identified. There's also regulations on the accessories and raw materials. I'm sure you get the idea. However, as for organic cosmetics, well, that's an entirely separate issue. The FDA doesn't regulate if cosmetics are organic or not. They state, FDA regulates cosmetics under the authority of the Federal Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act and the Fair Packaging and Labeling Act. The term organic is not defined in either of these laws or the regulations that FDA enforces under their authority. The Agricultural Marketing Services of the U.S. Department of Agriculture oversees the National Organic Program. The NOP regulations include a definition of organic and provide for certification that agricultural ingredients have been produced under conditions that would meet the definition. They also include labeling standards based on the percentage of organic ingredients in a product. For more information on organic labeling cosmetics, see the NOP publication, Cosmetics, Body Care Products, and Personal Care Products. So the USD oversees produce, but surprise, surprise, makeup isn't produce. If you ask me, cosmetic companies are just taking this organic term and running with it to tap into that organic market because it sounds better for the environment, even if it isn't. But hey, anything for a few more dollars, right? Like we said earlier, far too many people have come to equate organic with healthier. It may be out of genuine want to help the environment, which is admirable, but if we blindly assume these terms are regulated, then we're only helping massive cosmetic companies that market as organic get away with what is essentially no more than false advertising. It's unfortunate, but when it comes to labeling makeups as organic or natural, producers are pretty much just being told to, you know, hold themselves to an honor system. The FDA tells cosmetic producers this, Choosing ingredients from sources you consider organic or natural is no guarantee that they are safe. You are still responsible for making sure your ingredients are safe when used accordingly to labeling or as they are customarily used, no matter what kind of ingredients you use. Let's be real here. Putting the companies in charge and telling them to hold themselves accountable, it's these kinds of terms that will get abused in the first place. Organic may mean a lot about a food product, but it means a little bit about clothing and almost nothing in other places. 
any cosmetic, body care product, or personal care product made with agricultural ingredients that meet the USDA National Organic Program organic production, handling, processing, and labeling standards may be eligible for USDA organic certification under NOP. That said, the USDA doesn't crack down on falsely labeled organic products. Some argue that self-regulating does work and putting proper regulation in place would put an impossible burden on the FDA. There's also the argument that consumers should know better and educate themselves when it comes to dangerous chemicals or understanding what organic certification means in their food. One site says it's as simple as the five-digit code on their produce's sticker. If it begins with a nine, it's organic. And if it begins with an eight, it means the item has been genetically modified. Some articles insist that GMOs are safe since it's been decades since GMOs were introduced and no negative health effects from them have been found. 90% of scientists, the New York Times states, believe that GMOs are safe, a view endorsed by the American Medical Association, the National Academy of Sciences, the American Association for the Advancement of Science, and the World Health Organization. Yet only slightly more than a third of consumers share this belief. And because organic and natural is profitable, more and more farmers continue to sign up to grow organically. According to a USDA report, the number of certified organic farmers and producers in the United States grew by 13% from the end of 2015 through 2016, the highest annual growth rate since 2008. Its latest figures reveal that there are 26,401 certified organic operations in the United States, 41,198 around the world. Estimates suggest that organic production will account for 6.5 million harvested acres in 2018, up 2% from the previous year, according to Mercaris. It's not cheap. It can cost farmers hundreds, if not thousands, in fees and proper planning to be certified organic, but the higher profits are worth it for many of them. Make no mistake, the organic food industry is expanding just about everywhere. And with it, of course, comes the abuse of the term. So all in all, should you purchase organic products? Well, that's ultimately up to you. Stephen Savage from Forbes explains that in one of his final main reasons for not buying organic products is because of the following. Within the organic realm, there are certain major marketers and advocacy groups they fund who employ fear-based and falsehood-based messages to demonize conventional foods. They use these methods as a means to promote organic. One of the most egregious examples is the old McDonald, new McDonald video funded by Only Organic, a consortium for very large organic marketers. This bizarre publicity piece exploits children to depict a completely distorted view of mainstream farming. I consider it to be a hate speech for profit. Another example is the organic beauty industry funded environmental working group, which grossly distorts that transparent USDA public database documenting the safety of the food supply and turns it into a dirty dozen list designed to drive organic sales. These are extreme examples, but the organic marketing community as a whole quietly benefits from this sort of propaganda and does nothing to correct the convenient fiction that organic means no pesticides. And the dirty dozen list that was mentioned earlier and obviously more recently, and the idea of inorganic produce being unhealthy or unsafe does absolutely rub me the wrong way. To have organic food presented as an alternative is one thing, but being told it's a much safer option isn't exactly reality anymore. Pesticides have gotten so much more advanced and safer over the years. Organic food still uses them too. There's downsides to what organic foods do to the environment and organic clothing and cosmetics, especially beauty products, still have a long, long way to go before being properly regulated. But with that being said, that's where we're going to end today's episode of The Corporate Casket. 
I'm sorry this one may not have been as conclusive saying this is bad, yes or no, but there's still a lot of gray area here, but I wanted to put something out there that presents more clearly what organic actually means in federal terms. So I hope you enjoyed today's episode. And if you did, make sure you're liking, following, and subscribing so that you can stay up to date on all the latest episodes. And if you wanna connect with me outside of these episodes, make sure to go to my Linktree link in the description box and it will give you all the information for all of my social media and other projects that I'm involved in. So again, thank you so much for making it to another episode of The Corporate Casket. I love you all and I'll see you in the next one. Bye.